Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Monday, September 26, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Thanks for joining us here in what I can't believe is the last week of September. Boy, this month has flown by. We are creeping up on Croptober the harvest season, and uh, looking forward to all sorts of great new harvested buds to uh, choose from here in the great legal potland Oregon area, and uh, we'll tell you all about it as soon as we get them. But uh, today, of course, everybody's on pins and needles waiting for the CNN presidential debate that's taking place tonight. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump locking horns tonight on CNN. I'll be watching it, and tomorrow I'll give you my take in hour two about uh, what they talked about. The election is getting incredibly close, closer than anyone thought it could be, and uh, we will be bringing you all the coverage of the marijuana votes on election night on Marijuana Election Night 2016, right here on CannabisRadio.com, live on Tuesday, November 8th. We'll start the show off at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll run for the next six hours as we cover the poll closings from the Eastern Time Zone all the way to the Pacific Time Zone and the nine different states and various local votes happening and a few candidates that are running that we're going to bring you coverage of. That's on uh, Tuesday, November 8th, Marijuana Election Night. Check out MJ Election Night as the hashtag if you want more information. Now, coming up on today's show, it is Monday, so we will have our weekly visit from Dr. Mitch Earlywine in our Cannabis Q&A segment, and we've got our live phone line open now, so you can call in with your live questions, ask one of America's leading researchers your questions on cannabis science, culture, history, and health. That comes up at half past, and our phone number is 650-LEGAL-MJ, that's 650-534-534. 2565. Write that number down or ask for it in our chat room and have it handy for half past because we'll be taking live calls with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. We're also going to be looking at some new studies, one that says heavy marijuana use may damage your brain. Vaporization may help reduce the chance of smoking cigarettes. Sleep deprived kids are more likely to smoke pot. GW Pharmaceuticals passes another trial for their Epidiolex, or was it Sativex? I'm not sure. Uh, And we'll take a look at the risk of antipsychotic medication and interactions with medical marijuana and the latest information on cannabis and pregnancy. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant where at the end of the show, we take a look at the tragic slaying of Keith Lamont Scott, an unarmed black man, or maybe he was unarmed. We're still waiting for all that evidence. Please say he wasn't. But he was shot down by police uh, in North Carolina. There have been uh, protests and riots and looting for days now um, uh, on and off. It's gotten better as of late. But we're going to take a look at that case because it appears that marijuana played a very significant role 
that led to the death of Keith Lamont Scott. So we'll take a look at North Carolina laws on marijuana as well as open carry of guns and uh, whether or not this man, uh, uh, whether or not the cops were justified in killing this man. Also coming up in hour one, we'll have time for some drug war data mining. We got new polls out of Florida, Maine, and Arkansas to tell you about. Plus, we'll uh, update you on the polls in the other states, the latest we've got here in our cannabis radio studios. We've got uh, some behind the headlines. We're going to take a look at the latest numbers on marijuana arrests. The new FBI uniform crime report is out today. But everything starts with the Cannabis Radio News. That's right after this next break. We've got all sorts of headlines for you coming out of Florida. And, of course, an update on Kevin Sabet and Gummygate. It's all coming up on the Russ Belleville Show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the board, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. We love it. I'm Radical Russ Belville, inviting you to join me every weekday on CannabisRadio.com for the Russ Belville Show. It's the NPR of P.O.T. We bring you the latest marijuana headlines, cannabis analysis, drug war data, activist interviews, radical rants, and your live calls. Join me every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, live only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. 
Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, September 26, 2016. If Project SAM leader Kevin Sabet is the so-called quarterback of the anti-legalization movement, then former police lieutenant Diane Goldstein is the defensive end of the anti-prohibition movement who just sacked Sabet for a 10-yard loss. Goldstein, a board member with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition and proponent of California's Prop 64 legalization initiative, filed a complaint with the California Fair Political Practices Commission. The complaint alleges that the political arm of Project SAM, called SAM Action, violated campaign finance rules when it was late in disclosing its funding sources and not accounting for almost $150,000 in spending. FPPC Enforcement Chief Galena West informed Prop 64 campaign attorneys that her office, quote, will investigate the allegations, end quote, but hasn't yet evaluated their validity. Florida's limited medical marijuana oil program, estimated to approach $770 million when fully operational, may be forced to scrap the progress made so far and restart the process of licensing cannabis growers. Judge John Van Laningham is presiding over a challenge to the state's awarding of licenses to just five nurseries to cultivate cannabis to produce medical oil. Numerous licensed applicants allege the Florida Department of Health stacked the deck and played favorites in awarding the grow licenses. DOH has until October 17th to sway the judge's ruling, who seems to indicate his contempt of DOH's procedures and a willingness to rule for the growers and start the licensing over again. Only one dispensary in the entire state is producing and distributing the medical oil that was made legal in 2014. Restarting the licensing will delay new dispensary openings for months. Walnut Creek, California is the latest municipality to signal their opposition to the upcoming vote to legalize marijuana. In a four to one vote, the city council said worries about the children and stone drivers impelled their rejection of Prop 64. Councilman Rich Carlston said, quote, the negatives with this proposition vastly outweigh the positives, end quote. Councilman Justin Weddle added, quote, it is about a criminal enterprise wanting to go into a more legitimate aspect of big business, end quote. Walnut Creek joins about 30 cities and three counties listed by the website knowon64.net as opposing the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. However, the latest polls show 60% of the state's voters disagree and will vote yes on legalization. Reading, Pennsylvania may join Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Harrisburg in decriminalizing the possession of personal use amounts of marijuana. Tonight, the Reading City Council will discuss Bill Number 2016, which would make possession a summary offense, a non-arrestable citation usually payable as a $50 fine. More details, such as possession amounts deemed personal, were not available at press time. Though legal marijuana isn't coming to Idaho anytime soon, legal marijuana is getting closer to the gem state. The Moscow Pullman Daily News reports that the newest Whitman County, Washington marijuana store allowed by the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board plans to set up shop less than one mile from the Idaho border. Whitman County Commissioner Michael Largent said he believes the store is opening so close to Idaho to target the Moscow market, where marijuana is still illegal and the University of Idaho is housed. Moscow Police Chief James Fry says he may contact the shop's owner, Premium Roast LLC, and see what they're thinking. Salt Lake City Police say they're investigating after a 6th grade student brought 
brought to school pot brownies that sent three kids to the hospital. Police and school officials said Friday the girl gave or sold the brownies to seven students on the playground before classes. Authorities say the kids knew the brownies contained the drug. At least two sixth graders and a third older girl remained hospitalized after ingesting them on Thursday, though their conditions weren't considered life-threatening. Marijuana tourism could join vineyards and pear orchards as Rogue Valley agricultural mainstays in southwest Oregon and draw in more tourists, pot growers say. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission say Jackson and adjacent Josephine counties have about half of the 258 indoor and outdoor grow sites in the state. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, September 26, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're going to find really wonderful, well-meaning, well-spoken people, and then people that are just batshit crazy. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at the latest figures coming from the FBI's Uniform Crime Report. Every year, they let us know just how many crimes have been committed in the United States. And Christopher Ingram at the Washington Post reports that Marijuana arrests fall to lowest level since 1996. Fantastic news here. Now, the figures that we have here uh, are broken down by the marijuana arrests total there and all drug arrests. Uh, according to the FBI, there were one million four hundred eighty eight thousand seven hundred and seven estimated drug arrests that took place in the United States in 2015. Now, that number had been as high as 1.6 million 
So overall drug arrests are beginning to fall, and much of that is being propelled by the legalization of marijuana and the reduction in marijuana arrests. Arrests for all marijuana crimes in 2015 totaled 643,121. Now, we got this as high as 853,000, was it, uh, just a few years ago, 2007, I think it was. So, uh, well, not quite that high, about 775,000. Well, that's no, over 800,000 when you count all the arrests. So we have seen a significant drop. In fact, the drop represents a 25% drop from the peak in 2007. Wow. So in almost 10 years, nine years, 25% drop. One out of four people who were getting arrested for marijuana just 10 years ago are not getting arrested today. And when we take a look at the year-to-year uh, drop, it's a 7% drop from last year. So uh, the possession alone arrests account for 574,641 arrests. Uh, again, the lowest possession figure in 20 years. The marijuana sales and manufacturing arrests were 68,481. The other thing that we can take from this uh, latest data set is that cannabis as a proportion of the war on drugs is diminishing. Used to be at least half of the arrests made in the war on drugs were made for marijuana, either possession, sales, manufacture, trafficking. Uh, that number had been as high as 53% at one point. Now, with this reduction, this 25% reduction over the past nine years, marijuana arrests account for 43.2% of all drug war arrests. So 10 points lower from 53 down to about 43 in the number of arrests nationwide for marijuana. Now, the uh, numbers for cocaine and heroin and other non-narcotic drugs are going up. It's displaced a little bit of the savings there uh, by arresting more people for harder drugs. The marijuana possession arrest rate still works out to more than one arrest per minute in the United States over cannabis. And uh, Drug Policy Alliance calls marijuana arrests, quote, the engine driving the U.S. war on drugs, end quote. In 2013, the ACLU did a report estimating how much just marijuana possession enforcement, not going after the grows, not going after the kingpins and the dealers, just for possession, marijuana enforcement costs taxpayers $3.6 billion. $3.6 billion. That's for the arrest, the processing, the court time, the fines, the probation, the supervision, etc. Now, people like Kevin Sabet, Project Sam, and strangely enough, some of the stoners against legalization in California will deny that anyone gets arrested for marijuana. They'll say, oh, only only point zero three percent of state inmates actually are serving time for simple marijuana possession. But what that ignores is the fact that they got arrested in the first place. And you don't have to go to jail to have your life ruined over a marijuana arrest. You just have to be arrested. The arrest itself can cause problems. Most people arrested for marijuana are held in jail for at least a day. This was from a DPA report earlier this year. At least one day you're in jail. 
That can cause you the loss of your job if you were scheduled to come in that night. That can cause all sorts of problems that mess up your life. And then once you're in jail, if you can't afford bail, that could cost you your job and your home and your kids. I am so full of anticipation that my genitals have sucked up into my body cavity. It's remarkable to me that we can see year after year, hundreds of thousands of people have been arrested for marijuana in America. And yet people will try to downplay that as if 575,000 arrests are nothing. You spend some time in a cop car. Tell me how much you like it, Kevin. Happy 420 Mountain Time Zone. We're back with the latest in legalization and medical marijuana polls. Some good news and some bad news. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. I'm Radical Russ from The Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to The Russ Belleville Show is. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, and probably every Monday from here until Election Day, we've got six weeks away, uh, we will be bringing you updates on the election, most particularly the latest polls, so we have some idea where things stand as we head into the most important election in marijuana reform history. And folks, I'm telling you, the latest polls are looking pretty darn good. Let's start with California, Prop 64. Legalization there, of course, would change the world. On Thursday, the field IGS poll was released that showed a 60 to 31 support. 60% say yes 
to legalizing marijuana in California. Previous polls, the last two polls had showed 52 and 58 percent. So we seem to see an increase in support in California. In Maine, today, the Portland Press Herald in Maine gave us a 5338 yes on legalization in Maine. 58 to 53 support, 38 opposed. Uh, this uh, seems to be going down, though. Critical Insights had a 55% yes in March. There was a 65% yes last spring. Other interesting news from the poll is that 62% of the voters in the state of Maine have tried marijuana at least once in their lifetime. So California and Maine looking good so far and also looking good. The state of Nevada, a mid-September poll just a week or two ago, KTNV and Rasmussen reports a 53-39 yes. Uh, This is up from July's 50 to 41 yes. So we got 53% support in Nevada. Almost identical support in Maine and 60% support in California. With Massachusetts, WBUR put out a poll in September, 50 to 45, yes, so just on the edge. And other uh, crosstabs from this poll, quite interesting. They asked them if they thought marijuana use was immoral in Massachusetts, and that came out 80 to 14, no. Four out of five voters in Massachusetts do not think it is immoral to smoke pot. But is it a public hazard? 48 to 43 said yes. It is somewhat of a public hazard. But we got some good news in that half the state's voters, half the Commonwealth's voters in Massachusetts, uh, do not believe marijuana is a gateway drug. And when asked what the most harmful substances are, the most harmful substance, 42% said tobacco, 19% said alcohol, 13% said sugar, 4% said marijuana just 4%. And finally, rounding out the five states voting on marijuana legalization, Arizona, most recent poll a couple weeks ago, Arizona Republic and Morrison Cronkite News gave us a 50 to 41 yes. This is good news because it seems to be rising. In August, there was a 50 to 41 no. And in June, there was a 53 to 39 no. So to recap, California slam dunk 60%. In the polls, Maine and Nevada looking good, 53% in the polls. Massachusetts and Arizona close with 50% in the polls. Now, moving on to the medical marijuana votes that are happening. In Montana and North Dakota, up there in the Northern Plains, uh, we don't have any late-breaking polls. There there hasn't been a poll in North Dakota since 2014, and the Montana 182 is kind of an initiative that hasn't been polled much lately either. So let's move to the big prize in medical marijuana, the state of Florida. Again, that will have a $770 million medical marijuana uh, uh, industry. There was a poll released today by the Florida Chamber of Commerce that shows a 73 to 22 support for Amendment 2, which is good news because Amendment 2, as a constitutional amendment in Florida, needs 60% to pass. So with 73%, things bode well for Florida. And now the bad news out of all nine of the states, we got bad news out of one of them. And that's Arkansas, where yesterday a talk business and talk business and politics Hendricks College poll pulled the two initiatives. Now, number six is the one we don't like. It's the one that doesn't have home grow and more limited conditions. Number seven is the one we do like. That's the one that has some home grow 
and more conditions. Number six is barely ahead as a plurality, 49-43 yes, but number seven is a 53-36 no. The more restrictive initiative seems to be winning in Arkansas. And we worried about the fact that, uh, we worried about the prospect that two initiatives on the ballot could split the vote. It seems to be happening, and it seems to be happening to the detriment of the good initiative. One out of four of the voters who are picking number six are voting no on number seven, compared to just 8% of the people voting yes on number seven who are voting no on number six. So there are three times as many people on the six side opposing seven than on the seven side opposing six. And women oppose number seven more than men. Women are making the difference here. Women are 51-39 yes for number six, but 50-35 no for number seven. Men, 49-47 no on six, 57-36 no on seven. Women are driving this, and this is not good news for the state of Arkansas. This vote splitting is exactly what we feared, because now that this poll has come out, the people who are supporters of Initiative 7, Issue 7, who might have had the idea, well, let's vote for both of them, let's vote for all of them, might recognize that, oh, more of the number six people aren't doing that, and we need to respond, and we need to not vote on six. So then you have the seven people taking their votes away from six, the six people taking their votes away from seven, and neither of them getting more than 50% of the vote. The nightmare scenario in Arkansas just might be coming true. All right, stay tuned. We got Dr. Mitch next in your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ, 650-534-2565. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. 
At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our cannabis Q&A. And we've got Dr. Mitch Earlywine on the line with us. How you doing, Dr. Mitch? Having a wild night after kind of a crazy day. How are, you, you? are you excited for the uh, debate tonight? I'm actually a little frightened. <laughs> Just a little frightened. All right. Uh, I am, too, to, to, to be honest with you. But fortunately, I have uh, I have some herbs to calm my nerves. I think I'm going to need it. Uh, and, and some folks out there, I understand, are uh, in, in enjoying various drinking games that they're going to play during the debate. We want to encourage everyone uh, to be careful with those kind of things, because uh, if you're going to if you're going to drink every time Donald Trump says something stupid, uh, you could kill yourself. Alcohol's poison, isn't it, Dr. Mitch? <laughs> Quite literally. And, <laughs> and I'm afraid even a weight based dose is not going to help on a night like tonight. That's right. No kidding. All right, so uh, let's get to some of the uh, uh, studies while we wait for some calls or questions in our chat room. You can call in live at 650-LEGAL-MJ, but we'll start with uh, some of the studies that we need to get to. And this latest one, I just saw it in live science before I uh, got on the air. It says, heavy marijuana use may damage the brain. Dr. Mitch, am I suffering Dane Bramage? I'm afraid it's uh, something much more complicated, Russ. These are uh, strange reviews and then a report of a single case study where this poor guy probably turned to cannabis because he was having some kind of psychotic features. And they're like, he died from injuries sustained when he jumped from a car from smoking pot that made him lose touch with reality. And just how would you know if he's dead? And the whole thing is really just an N of one. They do try to point to some reviews that suggest that heavy use early in life makes some modest changes in the proportion of white and gray matter, but that has failed to replicate. Of course, we're down on heavy use before your brain is completely developed. But as the language in this gets harder and harder and just more and more severe, uh, discussing drastic consequences and psychoactive components, uh, you start to realize, hey, this is just a, actually a retread of, of data that have been reviewed before that suggests that, hey, marijuana is not for kids, but it's definitely not going to kill you. We have a follow-up question in our chat room kind of related to this that says uh, there's been a lot of reference by prohibitionists to this study out of Switzerland where they examined marijuana habits of over 3,000 Americans for 25 years, said that people that smoke marijuana on a daily basis for long periods of time had poorer verbal memory in middle age than people who don't smoke or smoke less. Uh, do you know about this study and what's your take on it? 
I, I do remember that, and I, I hate to say it, the, the data are pretty compelling, but remember these folks aren't randomly assigned, uh, assigned. I'm afraid what happened is probably the folks who chose to use marijuana during the age when they were supposed to develop their vocabularies missed school that day or didn't encode those words. So it's, it's uh, partly a problem with that. And then there are some modest changes, but when you look at the effect sizes on these, uh, it's really – uh, you know, maybe half a word. So if you're trying to remember dictionary, you won't remember dick. <laughs> well, I've been smoking marijuana for a long time, and my words be good. All right, <laughs> let's. <laughs> We've got another study here uh, that says vaporizing cannabis can decrease a pot smoker's chance of of getting addicted to tobacco and or nicotine. This sounds quite interesting. What's fun is you'd think, oh, hey, maybe there's some wild mechanism, but actually this is a correlational thing. So what a surprise. Folks who choose to use a vaporizer exclusively also choose to avoid smoking cigarettes. Duh. Like people who value their lungs value their lungs. So I do think that there's a neat idea in that maybe vaporization, in part because it doesn't create that sensation of a heavy smoke inside the lungs that a number of tobacco smokers claim that they sort of crave and miss when they quit, that might be an interesting hypothesis. But because these are correlational, I I honestly can't say. And I wouldn't want to randomly assign anybody to to smoke cigarettes. So we're we're sort of in a a weird situation where we're never going to know for sure. But by all means, stay away from that nasty tobacco. All right. Well, there's a a story I saw in the uh, Daily Mail. And whenever I get to the the British papers and stories about cannabis, I always have to you know, be, exercise some caution and, and due diligence. But this one claims a study says that sleep-deprived kids uh, were more likely to become cannabis consumers later in life. Uh, any validity to this? So, again, it's correlational. But, in fact, we've seen uh, some comparable stuff where generally being sleep-deprived increases impulsive decisions in a number of domains. So they also binge drink more. They're more likely to overeat. And they're more likely to claim things like uh, they don't wear their seatbelts. They wouldn't mind sitting in the front car of the roller coaster. So I think this is actually a sort of a personality trait where folks who are high in sensation seeking would rather go out and have fun than actually get their head hit the pillow. So I really want to encourage everyone tonight, go to sleep 15 minutes early and you'll see this by the end of the week. If you keep it up, uh, you're going to feel a whole lot better regardless of how much cannabis you use. When we talk about sleep deprivation and the effects on people, of course, you know, a major cause of, of highway accidents and such, but when we talk about getting enough sleep, is it a question of how many hours or is it also the the quality of the sleep, particularly as we've been seeing a resurgence of the understanding that uh, heavy cannabis use can suppress your REM sleep and, and, and your ability to dream. Uh, is, is there any uh, uh, thoughts on that as far as the quality of sleep? So in fact, yeah, if you, if you miss out on those stage three and stage four, even if you have the same number of time, you don't report the same wakefulness during the day uh, afterwards. And so I do encourage folks to you know, make sure they take some time away from the plant. And if you're really struggling, there's a new meta-analysis on melatonin suggesting as little as a, a gram, uh, not a gram, I'm sorry, a milligram or a milligram and a half can really help you. And if you try that for four or five nights in a row while you're uh, staying away from cannabis, 
Uh, you'll notice this wild dream rebound. Uh, you'll have wonderful things to talk about with your therapist. And then when you when you return to the plant, you'll notice you have lower tolerance and uh, your sleep should be okay. But the real key is making sure you've got good sleep hygiene so that your bed is just for sleep and sex and that you uh, try to make sure your head hits the pillows eight hours before you're supposed to wake up. I mentioned that uh, folks online seem to be uh, reawakening to, <laughs> pardon the pun, to the uh, the dream information, the REM sleep. And uh, can you uh, refresh our listeners on how cannabis affects REM sleep and dreaming, and is that a bad thing? Unfortunately, it's it's not a great thing. Um, some folks are pointing out that it may mean you're actually getting more stage four, the one that's sort of deeper than the dreaming. But I, I, I've seen some literature with cats and stuff like that. This just isn't a great idea for the long term. So uh, because that stage where you have the REM sleep tends to be a little bit suppressed, when folks first uh, have a day off, you do see this REM rebound where suddenly they'll have a whole bunch of REM sleep. And that's why one of the symptoms on the, the dreaded withdrawal questionnaire is usually something like strange dreams or nightmares or something like that. Obviously, if that's your symptom of dependence, uh, don't tell an opiate addict or they will kick you in the crotch. <laughs> No kidding. Uh, a friend of mine has some investments, and one of them is in GW Pharmaceuticals. He was quite happy the other day because the price had spiked. Apparently, we got the information as to why. Uh, it looks like they've passed a third clinical trial. Can you give us some more details? Well, I mean, I'm regretting that I sold it over a year ago, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happens sometimes. Uh, basically, GW's now had uh, three cannabidiol-oriented uh, cannabis-based drugs. It's a, an interesting thing with children. It's focused primarily on a, a subset of a, an epileptic disorder that's characterized by seizures and uh, some developmental delays. I'm delighted that this is working. I really do hope that uh, we'll see more research in this area, but we shouldn't be too surprised. We've been we've been talking about this for years now. I'm just glad to see a you know a large randomly controlled uh, study is 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 proving this. Uh, GW probably is ripe for some kind of acquisition by big pharma. I'm eager to see what really happens here, and I hope those who who do have the the stock can make the most of it. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and uh, we've got this uh, other story to talk about. And as cannabis becomes more recognized for its medical properties and, and legalized for the use of those properties, uh, we have to worry a little bit more now about drug interactions and how other drugs might affect or cannabis might affect the the. the ability of these other drugs to work. There was a story I was reading on the risks of using antipsychotics when one is using medical marijuana. And of course, there have been reports that, you know, marijuana psychosis, is there a link? Could it be a trigger? So is there a, is there a problem with uh, drug interaction in this case? What's curious is, you know, cannabidiol actually has antipsychotic properties. So it, it's in some ways kind of a, a waste. If you've got a nice a uh, high CBD strain, you may not need the antipsychotic medications. They're particularly targeting uh, Americans 55 and over, and the fact that they kind of pump these poor guys full of antipsychotics is usually to try to keep them under control with dementia. This newspaper article happens to mention a, a failure to show improvement uh, with a, a THC-based drug when with dementia patients, but there are other publications that actually suggest what a surprise THC can enhance appetite and improve mood in folks who've got some dementia symptoms. So the jury's kind of still out on that. But when I really think of dangerous THC 
bad interactions, the one to worry about is Viagra. The, the mm. metabolism of Viagra is definitely slowed when THC is in your system, and you do not want to have four hours of Viagra effects. <laughs> that does not sound fun and makes it really tough to do the uh, math problem on the blackboard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We have a question from our chat room. One of our listeners in Hawaii mentions that he's uh, out of cannabis and he's feeling withdrawal. In that situation, and you can't find any more cannabis, what are some other techniques you might use to deal with the withdrawal? Well, what's funny is the withdrawal symptoms are pretty ideographic, so it sort of depends on which one you're having. If you're having trouble with the sleep, uh, as I mentioned, melatonin might be uh, a big opportunity. For anxiety, some of the standard relaxation techniques actually work really well. A lot of us get in the habit of breathing through our mouths very rapidly. If you'll just slow your breathing down and breathe through your nose, you'll be stunned at how much more relaxed you feel. The general agitation and stuff like that is a big opportunity for changing your life so that you have less stress. So make sure your time is managed well. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. And if people are irritating you, run away. There we go. All right, folks. That's about all the time we got here with Dr. Mitch for this Monday. But join us every Monday here on the show for our cannabis Q&A. And get the long form. Get more information on Dr. Mitch's show right here on CannabisRadio.com. It's Burning Issues. And Dr. Mitch, what can we look forward to on the next episode? Oh, so I've got more in the can now than, than I know. But I believe I've got Ashley Grace on the Empire section and uh, some fun stuff from... Oh, wow, Russ, I'm, I'm spacing. Oh, <laughs> how could but, that have happened? Uh, but I do have a, an interesting section on um, just self-care at the end of each show called Self-Compassion and the Art of Activism. So by all means, check out the last five minutes just to, to get a feel for how to handle things like uh, a situation with cannabis withdrawal. All right, check that out. Burning Issues here on CannabisRadio.com. You can reach Dr. Mitch at 420research at gmail.com if you got an email question. Thanks, Doctor, and we'll talk to you next week. Looking forward to it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chibas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Good day, everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally at the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California. Day one of CannaCon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. 
Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. All right, folks. Today in the rant, we head to North Carolina, where the police shooting and killing of Keith Lamont Scott has sparked protests and outrage. There's been a lot to cover in this story. The uh, the father, the 40-something-year-old man, was gunned down uh, when he was approached by police uh, after a call. Uh, they had been called to deal with him. There was video that was released from the wife who shot with her cell phone her husband being killed, and... Uh, The North Carolina sheriff was not going to release any body cam video or dash cam video uh, citing, you know, transparencies in the eye of the beholder, which is false. (laughs) Transparency is transparency. Uh, But due to public pressure has released some more video. And we've seen some of those videos now from the the body cam and the dash cam that don't give us much more uh, information than we already had on the case. Police insist that uh, Scott had a small handgun and refused multiple commands to drop the weapon. Those commands were heard in the three different videos that were released, but in those three videos, it is unclear whether he has a gun in his hand. Now, this entire case, as far as that goes, uh, is, is... maybe beyond what we can cover here in today's show. But the, uh, the situation that led to him being shot is something that certainly comes out uh, on this show. And that is the beginning of this encounter by the police in North Carolina with Keith Lamont Scott started because the officers dispatched to the area There were some plainclothes officers dispatched the area who were serving a warrant on someone else. Completely somebody else, not Mr. Scott. When they approached where they were looking for their suspect, they noticed Mr. Scott sitting in his SUV. And according to them, they saw him rolling a blunt. Now, I've seen the the crime photos, evidence photos. It was no blunt. It was a joint, but whatever. These officers, plainclothes officers, when they first see him, don't bother him because they figure 
It's just a joint. No big deal. Let me go to a story from Salon. Salon wrote this up, and I'm going to just read to you a bit from their uh, coverage of this, uh, talking about the police chief, whose name is Putney, Chief Putney, released a statement about this killing and how it began, how the encounter began. And I'll just read you from Salon. Along with the videos, the police also released a statement on what is known about the case. Although at first, quote, officers did not consider Mr. Scott's drug activity to be a priority, end quote. And this is from the statement from Putney, who, who, who points out that those plainclothes guys saw him rolling the, the joint, saw the marijuana, saw him rolling the joint, and figured, oh, no big deal. We're not going to bother this guy. He's, it's not worth it because we still have to go serve this warrant. It's not, uh, it's not worth our time. He's not hurting or harming anyone. And the guy we've got the warrant on has got to be more uh, of a priority. So back to Salon. Although at first, quote, officers did not consider Mr. Scott's drug activity to be a priority, end quote. That changed once they saw him hold up a gun. Quote, this is Putney. Because of that, the officers had probable cause to arrest him for the drug violation and to further investigate Mr. Scott being in possession of the gun, end quote. Well, here's the monkey wrench in that. Number one, in the state of North Carolina, marijuana is a non-jailable offense. Possession of marijuana of less than, uh, less than uh, uh, an ounce, less than, was it less than 10 grams? Something like that. But anyway, what he had, which was a joint, at least as far as they knew, he had a joint. That crime alone, that violation of the law, possessing a joint and smoking it is something he could not be jailed for something that is a class three misdemeanor in the state of North Carolina, the lowest misdemeanor possible. And like I said, not uh, it's, you can't jail him for it. You, You can give him a jail sentence, but it has to be suspended if it's a first offense and the maximum possible fine in North Carolina for smoking that joint in his SUV was 200 bucks. $200. So here's a guy sitting in his SUV. He's smoking a joint. The cops see it. They say, oh, it's no big deal. We're not going to bother this guy. Because again, it's a class C misdemeanor with a $200 fine. But when they see him hold up the gun, then they need to deal with the problem. Here's the other monkey wrench. Number two, North Carolina is what they call an open carry state. You don't have to have a permit, a license, permission, inspection, training, education, or nothing. If you own a pistol and you want to carry it around on your hip, you are legal to do so. It's an open carry state. So what was it about this guy sitting in the car smoking a joint? And that wasn't a danger. That wasn't an imminent threat to the public. That wasn't any cause for the cops to get involved. But then they see him with a gun in his car. Remember, he's in his car. It's not like he's wandering around the street pointing the gun at people. In his car, smoking a joint. They happen to see him see the gun. How did that gun suddenly make that weed a priority to bust him for? There's nothing to bust him for for the gun. He's an adult man. They don't know that he's not... They have no idea whether he's one of the disqualified people, mentally ill, a felon. He's nothing... 
as far as they know, at the beginning of that encounter, there is an adult man who's not under investigation, who's not uh, uh, harming anyone, who committed an infraction that they wouldn't bother him for and was holding a gun that is legal to hold in the state. So, so why did this escalate? According to Putney, he says, quote, it was not lawful for Scott to possess a firearm. There was a crime he committed and the gun exacerbated the situation, end quote. So what was the crime he committed? The crime being that he was smoking marijuana, right? Okay. That crime he committed was a crime that your officers decided not to bust him for. They exercised their discretion to leave him alone, according to you. And your claim that it wasn't lawful for him to possess a firearm is based on what? I looked through last night all of the North Carolina statutes I could on guns and gun ownership, and gun possession. Now, you can't and, and the federal ones, too. Right now, under federal law, you cannot sell or transfer firearms or ammunition to anyone who is a known abuser of Schedule One substances. So if someone wanted to try to walk up to Scott's SUV and sell him a pistol, seeing that he's smoking a joint under the law, they could not do that. When we get to the state laws in North Carolina, you cannot take your gun into a place that uh, serves alcoholic beverages. You cannot conceal carry. If you're a concealed carry permit holder, you cannot conceal carry your gun uh, while you're intoxicated on drugs or alcohol. There's, of course, the statutes on possession of a firearm by a felon, which he was not possession of a firearm in the commission of a felony, which he was not doing. North Carolina doesn't seem to have a possession of a firearm while in the commission of a non jailable class three two hundred dollar fine misdemeanor. Not didn't find that statute. So what was it that made it unlawful for Scott to possess that firearm? It wasn't the mere presence that he had cannabis on him. That he was smoking a joint. Smoking a joint's breaking the law of smoking the joint. But having the gun while you have the joint does not indicate that he was breaking any gun laws in the state of North Carolina, as far as I could tell. Putney concludes by saying, quote, Due to the combination of illegal drugs and the gun Mr. Scott had in his possession, officers decided to take enforcement action for public safety concerns. Because why? People that smoke pot are going to jump out of their cars and start shooting up the neighborhood? Public safety concerns. Now, what this was is they saw a black guy with weed. And once they saw the gun, they said, ah, druggy, black, gun, crime, gang, danger, all that stuff started firing off in their little heads, leading to the execution of this man. And I'm not, you know... Th- I'm the first person to tell you I'm no lawyer and my can of paralegal uh, skills are, you know, <laughs> pedestrian at best. But I'm not the only one thinking this. Professor at University of North Carolina Law weighs in on this. This was in uh, uh, NPR. He was speaking on national public radio. When we come back at the top of this next hour... We're going to dig into this. What crime did Keith Lamont Scott commit? Plus, in hour two, we've got some more stuff to talk about, including 
a look at some of the latest stories that are coming through, including this uh, one from Capital Journal, Los Angeles Times, on uh, the problems with rushing to legalize marijuana for stoners. We'll also give you a gummy gate update and the story of a 16-year-old who kicked Kevin Sabet's ass. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tope. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Time for Hour 2. It's Toker Talk Radio, and the phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. Got a lot of stuff to talk about, but uh, before I bring back the uh, Keith Lamont Scott story, let me just get something off my chest real quick here. I'm... uh, I'm done with the marijuana versus cannabis argument, folks. Okay? I've made my thoughts quite clear on it. If you don't like the word marijuana, if you think it's offensive or racist, which it can't possibly be because plants can't be offended, but if you feel that way, fine. Go ahead. Take the word marijuana out of your vocabulary. Use the word cannabis all the time. More power to you. Freedom of speech and all that. Good for you. But if you want to jump onto my Twitter feed or my Facebook comments as, a, as some sort of one-note 
show one trick pony constantly harassing me and criticizing me and trolling me over the use of the word marijuana, then you're going to get the ban hammer because I've had it. I refuse to let people try to disparage me, insult me, criticize me for the use of the word marijuana. There's nothing wrong with the word, and I've explained it numerous times, and if you disagree with me, great, that's fine. But quit telling me how to speak. Quit telling me how to write. Quit telling me how to make my my memes and shit. You don't like that I use the word marijuana on it? Don't share it. Don't like that I write the word marijuana? Don't read my articles. But I'm not taking any more critique or criticism about the use of the word marijuana. End of topic. All right, so uh, Keith Lamont Scott. Um we were just talking in the the radical rant about how the cops, when they showed up, were serving a warrant on someone else. And they saw Scott smoking a joint in his car. And they said, oh, no big deal. And he just moved along. They didn't care. Just smoking a joint. But then later they saw that he also had a gun. And that's what led them to the encounter because once they saw the gun... The person who was smoking the joint is suddenly a danger to society that must be corralled and contained. The problem is, in North Carolina, it's open carry. It's legal to have that gun. You can have a gun and have it out in the open. Now, you can't conceal carry without a permit. That's a problem. But as far as those cops knew at that time, when Keith Lamont Scott was not under suspicion of any sort of danger or committing serious crime the only thing he was doing was smoking a joint which they had decided already was not a big deal not worth going after but once they saw the gun they had to go after him because black guys don't have open carry rights let's just be honest about it open carry is something for white guys like me white guys like me can set up sniper positions on high ground drawing a bead on federal agents and not even be talked to not even be arrested or cuffed or dealt with in any way, much less shot. So uh, in um, in Salon, there is a, or I mean, uh, NPR, they interviewed a law professor from University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, asking about North Carolina law and open carry and what he thought of the situation. And... Um, We'll bring that to you when we come back from break. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Also coming up, we're going to uh, debunk some uh, fear-mongering about Prop 64 and more. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. 
Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Adrian, I, I ain't finished it. Adrian. Okay, maybe you're high too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, boy. All right, so... uh No, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bring that up. I'm just going to leave it. You can read it on my Facebook page if you want to. But the band hammer is out. I'm, I'm done. I have had it. I have had it with the goddamn, and I mean goddamn, pious, religious, high horse condemnation that I am receiving from some of these reverends of the sacred plant. Now, I'm all for freedom of religion. I'm all for you believing whatever you want to believe, doing whatever you want to do. Where I have a problem with this shit is when someone wants to take a pile of multiply mistranslated, politically edited, Bronze Age fairy tales that are internally contradictory and laden with the worship of a god that exhibits nothing but cruelty and dickishness and pettiness and jealousy. I am tired of the people who use that book to look down their nose at people that disagree with them. 
We've been having this little debate online on the, you know, should it be, should you use the word marijuana? Should you use the word cannabis? And I've gone over it numerous times. And this woman, this reverend from the Healing Church, isn't that clever? It uses THC as its acronym, like tetrahydrocannabinol, but it's the Healing Church. Why? I bet nobody ever thought of doing that using a THC acronym. How clever. But uh, throughout this whole debate, she's continued to imply that I am somehow racist for using the word marijuana. Continued to call it its slave name. Refers to it as its slave name. This woman is anthropomorphizing the cannabis plant to such an extent she actually thinks it has feelings. She will say the, the cannabis plant, she doesn't like that. You know, just like the typical religious charlatans and frauds that claim they speak to something out there and they're the only ones that can divine its intentions. So, yeah, uh, I go through and defend my points about the fact that marijuana in the United States gets 10 times the recognition that cannabis does, that marijuana cannot be a racist term because a plant is not a race. Plants are not sentient. Plants cannot have their feelings hurt. Plants cannot be demeaned or devalued. <laughs> or if they are, the plant could give a shit about it. It's a plant. So it can't be a racist term. It can't be an offensive term. You could be offended by it. But the term itself cannot be offensive because marijuana is a slang term for the dried flowering tops of cannabis plants that have been prepared for vaporization or smoking and are usually seedless. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a perfectly accurate term. In fact, more accurate than saying cannabis. Saying I smoke cannabis is like saying I eat cow. I drink ethanol. I took my canis lupus familiaris out for a walk. So I've had it. I'm done. Because people, I, like I said, I, I make this whole case. And the response is, well, it's, it's cannabis in the Bible. Oh, oh, well, okay. The Bible says so. Well, then, oh, okay. I guess then, I guess then. And of course, it doesn't say cannabis in the Bible. You will not do a, do a uh, search. I'm sure online somewhere you can find the entire text of the Bible. Do a search. Press control F and type in C-A-N-N-A-B-I-S. See if you can find it. I don't care what version. Look in the King James. Look in the New International Version. I don't care. You're not going to find the word cannabis. You're going to find the word cannabosum, perhaps, or calamus. You ain't going to find cannabis. Now, I understand the history and people want to say, oh, but this was the, uh, the uh, recipe for the holy anointing oil of Jesus, who, by the way, also was not a historical figure who actually lived. Jesus Christ, as we know him mythologically, is an amalgam of many Christ-like figures that were around that first century AD, first century BC time. Lots of them were written up. The first contemporary accounts of Jesus were written 70 years after his death. 
That's like that's like me writing about uh, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald and how how what was F. Scott Fitzgerald's life like seventy years later after his death, right? So you can theorize that it was cannabis that was part of the anointing oil, and it makes a lot of sense being a psychoactive material and how early religions would make use of herbs and funguses and psychoactive substances to commune with the gods. It, it sure makes sense. But even if that's true, it does not provide you with some sort of unimpeachable higher status as an arbiter of what the fuck I'm supposed to say when I'm describing ganja or herb or weed or pot. Ah, dang it. I'm sorry. I didn't want to get into all of this. And here we go. I got got all into it. And (laughs) that's the way it goes sometimes. But uh, it makes me mad. I'm telling you, I just policing my language just pisses me off all right let me I, i've been teasing this quote i got to get this quote out let's go back to keith lamont scott for a second keith lamont scott sitting in his car smoking a joint cops don't think it's a big deal they leave him alone then they see the gun oh now it's a big deal now we got to deal with them yada 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 guy gets shot killed dead in the street but again north carolina open carry state what was it about holding the gun up that suddenly made the weed dangerous or What was it about the weed that somehow made the gun dangerous? Well, these questions were also thought of by a professor Kennedy, who is a professor at the uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hills Law School. And they asked him about this. And here's let me give you the quote. This is uh, Professor Kennedy. So here's the question is do the police have a reasonable suspicion that you're not just armed, but dangerous? So think of that in terms of three scenarios. Scenario one, the police see me littering and I have a gun on my hip. Scenario number two, the police see me breaking into a car with a crowbar and I have a gun on my hip. Arguably, the police are justified in pointing their guns at me in scenario two. They see me committing what is a felony in North Carolina. And the reasonable fear would be that since I have a gun, maybe I'll use it to resist arrest for a felony. Scenario one, it doesn't seem reasonable to sort of draw their guns on me because littering is an infraction. The question is, where does smoking marijuana fit on that spectrum? Is it reasonable to assume that someone who's smoking marijuana and has a gun is also dangerous and is likely to resist the police contact with deadly force. Now, keep in mind that marijuana possession isn't an infraction like littering, but it's only one step higher than that. It's the lowest possible misdemeanor there is and mandated to not have any jail time assigned to it. So as low as a arrestable crime can be is marijuana possession when you're smoking a joint. So where on the spectrum that Professor Kennedy described, where on the spectrum does that fit? That's the question. Let's go to our phone lines and see if anyone has any answers. We got the 918 area code on the air. How you doing? Hey, Russ, how you doing? I'm great. What's up? Good. Hey, this is Corey from Illegally Hilled. Corey, so glad to hear from you folks. If you don't know, Illegally Healed 
at illegally healed on uh, Twitter. Uh, illegallyhealed.com is uh, the website for Colton Turner, 16 year old medical marijuana patient in Colorado. And Corey, you're you're the father, is that right? Yeah, I'm the co-founder of Illegally Healed. Right? Oh, co-founder. Sorry. So what's up? What's on your mind? Yeah. No, yeah. So we're down here in Arkansas, and uh, we saw Kevin Sabet come through. He came uh, 40 minutes from my house. Oh, really? And he didn't know. He, he had no idea that this was the base operation for Illegally Healed. And this is one day prior to him going up there and uh, holding the gummy bears up uh, for props. And so, uh, you know, wanted to call and give you a little scoop on that. Yes, please do. So, uh, so he comes into town, and uh, I roll in with the illegally held cameras. You know, we're going to document this, kind of how you did up in, in Oregon, I believe. Yeah. Was that yeah. right? That's right. So, uh, so, you know, we wanted to go hold him accountable. That's what we can do. You know what I mean? And uh, so he had no he had no clue. He thought, you know, part of, you know, he's holding a press, a press, press, press conference. OK. Um, and uh, the uh, <clears throat> oddly enough, the Arkansas, um, excuse me, or the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Arkansas Surgeon General, the Family Council and the Arkansas Farm Bureau uh, started a... Sorry about that. Hold on a second. Just a second. I had, I had, I had to kill a, uh, an element that was playing there. It was uh, covering you up. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Sure. Yeah, no. So, so, they, so, that, you know, so that coalition started uh, to uh, a group to fight uh, the, the medical marijuana initiatives here in, in Arkansas. And so uh, they, brought, they brought in their, their show pony, you know, the quarterback of, of the... The, the, the anti-movement, uh, Kevin Sabet. Um, so uh, we got the press release uh, that they were they were doing this. So we wanted to go talk to him. So we, we show up, and he had no idea. And he's talking with the other press. And it's really interesting. And I'll send you this clip so you can see it. But the uh, uh, before the interview started, um, before his presentation, they were doing some pre-interviews. And so we're, we're configuring our, our cameras and such. And uh, uh, Kevin's talking with one of the reporters and the, one of the local reporters. And she said, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I, uh, I, I do a lot of advocacy work. And he's like, oh, yeah, for who? And she goes, for the MS Society. And so uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, you know, uh, they, they have a study that, you know, it's not, it's not helping for MS. He's telling this to the reporter. And then, and, then, and then he's like, yeah, they say it's good for pain, but you take two shots of vodka, that's good for your pain, too. So this is the kind of things that he's saying to reporters oh, beforehand, yeah. you know, before his presentation. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And so he goes up and he gives this presentation. He's calm, cool, collective. He goes to the goes to the crowd start, uh, to to ask for questions. So I ask him some some very poignant questions. You can go to our Facebook and look at those. But he 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 starts to back out of those questions, and then he starts to and then that's when he starts, you know, sweating, and and then he calls he calls patients props. Yeah, and so that you know, Colton Colton was watching on the live stream because we we live stream that, and so Colton is up there with his family in Colorado, and he's watching on the live stream. You know, he can't he can't believe this, and then and then and then the next day when when we hear the news that you broke about uh, you know uh, him losing those gummy bears, uh, we we had to do something about it, and so that's the video that you were uh, telling us on Twitter, talking to us on Twitter about. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me play that audio for our listeners out there. This is from the illegally healed Facebook page, and you'll see it as a video that's entitled, wow, this 16 year old cannabis patient teaches anti-cannabis leader, a lesson. It's been shared over 12,000 times. It's got over 620,000 views. This is uh, Colton Turner uh, dropping the mic on Kevin Sabet. Uh, let me make sure I got the audio ready for this. And here we go. 
The anti-marijuana spokesman Kevin Sabet warned Massachusetts not to legalize marijuana or stoners will leave THC-laced gummy bears lying around for kids to get into. Then he loses the illegal THC-laced gummy bears when he used them as a prop when he left them lying around the set of a debate in Boston. Look, at the end of the day, Jim, and I brought some props, if that's okay, I think parents should ask themselves whether they can tell which bag of candy here is marijuana and which one isn't. You're not going to do and, the Skittles. Thing, well, right? I, you can try them if you want, Jim, but maybe afterwards. I am a legal cannabis patient living in Colorado. I take high amounts of cannabis oil in a very concentrated form every single day. So Kevin, let me show you how I, a teenager, takes care of his medicine. We'll call this the smart approach to medical cannabis. See what I did there? <laughs> Dr. Kevin Sebet. PhD. I saw when you were in Arkansas, you called patients like me a prop for big marijuana. Well, here I am. I am not a prop. I am a patient. I have Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. I am illegally healed, and cannabis is my medicine. My name is Colton Turner. Rush, you still there? Yeah. Doctors of that. Okay. All right, great, uh, great audio there from Colton Turner. Uh, you can find that at uh, facebook.com slash illegally healed over 620,000 views. Uh, Corey, anything else you want to add? I'm sorry? Yeah, so I think it's important, Russ, that you, talk, that you tell the listeners about uh, Kevin Sabet's uh, tactic. And so, you know, you beat him up during a cycle, and so it, so it cycles with this guy. And what we're seeing this time is when uh, when when you were when you were talking with him up there in Oregon, you know he was cannabis isn't medicine. He was starting to come around. Well, this cycle that he's going around, this tour that he's doing, if you will, he's 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 now convincing people. Okay, I'm on your side. All right. Well, you know, cannabis may be medicine, uh, but but we need to isolate it. And so that and and then you know and then the only other thing that he's talking about is candies. One of the reporters, one of the terrestrial media reporters that was there. She was confused, even. One of her lines of questioning was, is the only thing that you guys are concerned about is this being candy? And so when you, when you hold people to the fire and when advocates show up and they, and they question these, these anti-marijuana um, campaigns that are going on in their states and they, and they bring, you know, real scientific questions and, you know, answer this, answer this. There's, there's people there that, that will, that will, you know, report what the patients are saying. And if you go to our Facebook page, you can see that as well. We, we rebroadcasted a news broadcast and you can see how the news spun it because we were able to, you know, hold Kevin accountable live and not let him spew his lies. And so Kevin is one of many, but, um, they're, they're all using his talking points. Um, Angela Baca seeing the same thing in, in, in Nevada, uh, Ricardo down in, in Arizona with, uh, uh, the 1620 Legion, they're seeing the same thing thing down there. It's, it's all the same talking points. And so 
it's it's just we got to figure out what they're what they're doing this cycle and 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 come out against it. So yep, all right. Well, we will keep doing that. And thanks for uh, getting us the report there from Arkansas, and give our best uh, to Colton and our thanks for making that video. That's awesome. Yeah, Russ, thank you, too, for all you do, buddy. Oh, I appreciate uh, all the praise. Thank you so much. All right, we got to uh, get to our meeting, folks. That's just how white folks will do you. It's 420-something here in the Pacific time zone. We're late to our union-mandated safety briefing. I'm feeling a little dangerous. We'll be right back with more... From the Los Angeles Times, debunking the Capital Journal on Prop 64. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The political climate is at a fever pitch. And the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. Tuesday, November 8th, the cannabis liberation movement takes a huge step forward. And Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com and the Cannabis Radio News team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the cannabis crusade. Join us November 8th for Vote 2016, the path to cannabis freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 4.30 here in the uh, Pacific Time Zone. I've got a new meme out on the Gummy Gate. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. If you, if you go look for hashtag Gummy Gate on uh, Twitter or Facebook, you should find most of my graphics. Uh, this one's my latest iteration of the uh, complaint 
by the prohibitionists, as evidenced by Kevin Sabat, that if we legalize marijuana, there will be these marijuana gummy bears. And there's no way your kids will ever be able to tell the difference between the marijuana gummy bears and the regular gummy bears. And they're going to eat them and they're going to get sick. They're going to go to the hospital and terrible things will happen. Right. So uh, the latest iteration is a meme I've put together where I take eight different adult products and compare them side by side with eight products that children might enjoy and ask the question, why are legal marijuana gummy bears any different than any other adult product? For example, we, we have Hershey's chocolate bars. Kids love Hershey's chocolate bars, right? But we also have x chocolate laxative. Well, how do we ever keep the kids from getting into the x and eating all that chocolate thinking it's chocolate, thinking all that laxative thinking it's chocolate? How, how do we ever pull that? How do we ever accomplish that? Or, for example, Rolo candy. You know Rolos? Those little, uh, those little chocolate caramels, right? Rolos. And I compare that to some Kahlua-filled chocolates that are actually alcoholic, right? And you got the Kahlua in them. How in the world did we ever manage to buy a bunch of Kahlua chocolates as adults and, and have them without the kids getting into them and thinking they were Rolos. So I did this with everything. I got Jello shots versus Jello. I got Xanax versus Tic Tac. I got Sprite versus vodka. I got a dildo versus a Nerf sword. <laughs> I've got the Tide laundry pods versus uh, beach ball candy, it's called. And most importantly, I have a Tetracane lollipop. Tetracaine is a synthetic derivative of cocaine. It's a, a topical anesthetic. And so when kids, little kids have like throat surgery or tonsillectomies or whatever they got to go to, doctors can prescribe to them this tetracaine lollipop to suck on to numb their throat. Well, how do we ever manage to control tetracaine lollipops and not get them confused with a, a charms blow pop that it looks identical to? How do we pull that off? Or even better... There's a drug called adensis, adzenis, I'm sorry, adzenis. It's a drug called adzenis. It was just approved by the FDA for the treatment of ADHD in youngsters as young as six years old can use this drug. And the new remarkable point about this drug is that it's a dissolvable orange candy flavored disc. Now the drug, its active ingredient is amphetamine. We're basically talking about candy meth, (laughs) candy flavored, dissolving your mouth, meth tablets that don't look that dissimilar from orange spree. You know, the spree candies, right? Looks like orange spree. How, how in the world could we have this drug that six-year-olds can use for ADHD that's meth and not confuse that with the other six-year-olds that are eating spree candy? What makes marijuana 
any different than any other adult product. That's the new meme. It's available on my Facebook and all my feeds as well. You can check that out. All right, let me get to um, the Capital Journal. This is out of the Los Angeles Times. And the Times itself, I think, has endorsed Prop 64. But the writer for Capital Journal, George Skelton, has an op-ed entitled, The Problem with Rushing to Legalize Marijuana for Stoner Use in California. Rushing to legalize marijuana for stoner use, not recreational use, not personal use, not adult use, not non-medical use. Stoner use. All right. And, And I like the frame rushing. We're rushing in. We're rushing in. You know, we... We tried to legalize it in 2010 and didn't, and then spent the next six years working over various different iterations and language changes and amendments to what would eventually become Prop 64 now. But yeah, we're we're rushing in. We're rushing in some four years after Colorado and Washington already legalized. We're rushing in. Well, we don't need to rush. Let's just take, take a moment and take a breath here. Okay, that's the frame, right? So here's his problems. And let me run them down real quick. First part is the smoking and driving. That's what he's got a problem with. He says there's no way to know how stoned a motorist can be before he's dangerously under the influence of cannabis. Unlike with liquor, there's no 0.08 blood alcohol equivalent for marijuana. There's not even a common breathalyzer to measure drug driving. And there's nothing around the corner. That's one problem with rushing to legalize marijuana for stoner use. Stoner use, okay? So uh, here's, the, here's the problem with your whole breathalyzer thing, right? If your point is that we shouldn't rush to legalize marijuana until we have determined a scientific method to detect cannabis impairment by someone's blood, saliva, urine, or breath, then we're never going to legalize marijuana because there is no scientific magic bullet solution that says you've smoked too much pot to drive. Pot ain't alcohol, George. Let's go to our phone lines. We got another call coming in from the 618 area code. Well, we did, and it just went away. All right, we'll see if we can catch that next time. And uh, the next part of his screed is where he explains this term stoner use. And uh, here's what he says. Weed marketers have managed to corrupt the language and sell this as recreational use, as if getting high was akin to hiking, tennis, or soccer. You sip booze, you're a social drinker, or if a gulper, a drunk. Puff on cigarettes, you're a smoker. You're never a recreationist. (laughs) Well, I'll concede part of this point to him. I, too, have a problem with the term recreational marijuana for the same reason. It it sounds like hiking. It sounds like. But more is that it makes it sound uh, frivolous. It makes it sound uh, 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 like something you can just leave away. Discretionary, optional, entertainment, right? That's what recreational brings to the table. Adult use, I prefer. Personal use is even better. But if he's got a problem that we don't call people recreationists, then let me make a suggestion, George. Call us tokers. You can call us tokers. That's fine. So um, the other point he wants to make here is that uh, this is not your father's Woodstock weed. 
According to a anti-Prop 64 strategist, quote, this is high-grade stuff they're putting in candy bars, and you're climbing the wall. This modern marijuana isn't like the crappy pot you were smoking in college, end quote. Ah, yes, not your father's Woodstock weed. Well, here's the deal with that, George. When people are smoking or vaporizing marijuana, they immediately feel how it affects them. Immediately, like within, you know, two seconds, three seconds. You can't overdo it unless you try to if you're smoking or vaporizing because of the self-titration effect. You're going to smoke until you get where you want to get. High is a place, right? Back in the day with the Woodstock weed, you might have smoked a whole joint, maybe two, to get you to high, to get you to that place. Nowadays, all you got to do is smoke a puff or two and you get to that place. In essence, in Woodstock days, y'all had to ride horseback to get from sober to high. And today we get to drive cars to go from sober to high. We get there more efficiently. We get there quicker. But it doesn't mean that we get any higher than we were getting. It doesn't mean that the high is any different than it used to be. It just means we were able to get there quicker and safer. We were able to get there safer because if we're smoking it, we're taking in all of those hydrocarbons and all the smoke. If we had to smoke a whole joint to get to high, we're taking in more smoke than if we only have to smoke two puffs to get high. So this, this it's more potent is a red herring and the, and the, Biggest point as to why it's a red herring is because cannabis is non-toxic. Potency makes a difference if the thing you're using can kill you. The variance in potency of things like cocaine, meth, and heroin are what lead to a lot of the overdoses. The variance in potency of marijuana is not going to make any difference. Now, the other point would be the eating, right? You put this in candy bars and you're climbing the wall. That's where the problem can happen. That's where you can have a a bad reaction because with eating cannabis, not only does it take longer before it kicks in, you lose that self-titration just like you do with alcohol, right? When you're drinking alcohol, you might be on that sixth shot before you realize, oh shit, I should have stopped at shot four because it takes a while to digest. So with the candy bars, the gummies, the cookies, the whatever. You need to treat it like you treat shots of alcohol. Do you line up six shots and chug them all at once? Well, some of you do, but you shouldn't. Right? Well, neither should you line up six servings of some sort of infused treat and eat them all at once. Now, this just means we need some education and we need some understanding and some better labeling. It doesn't mean that we need to keep locking people up over marijuana because somebody might overdo it with a cookie. The other, um, the other thing that he points out is that California has got um, medical marijuana. And uh, he's got a lot of scare quotes in there. Doctor recommendation, right? But that's another one of their talking points is we don't need to legalize with Prop 64. We don't need to rush. We don't need to hurry because there's medical marijuana. If you really want pot, 
And even if you don't get medical, if you're popped with just a personal amount, it's decriminalization. So you're only going to get a ticket. That's this is the stall tactic. This is all they got is a stall tactic. Let's hold on. Not so fast. He writes, quote, you'd think our leaders would advise waiting to see how regulating medicinal pot works out before barreling full blast into legalizing it for every adult. Also, it would be nice to have a marijuana intoxication standard in place before stoners get behind the wheel. Why hurry to legalize consumption of another poison? We've already got alcohol, which can ruin lives. Tobacco causes cancer. Cannabis, it can mess up the mind. Plenty of research shows that. Well, we'll explain why we need to uh, rush, as you put it, when we come back from break. Stick around. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. We do have John McAvee. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind. It's frightening. And in a cyber war, we can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 46 after the hour here. And we got a great week of shows coming up here on the Russ Belleville Show as we count down 
to Marijuana Election Night 2016. Hashtag MJ Election Night if you want to follow along on the net. And uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, joining us will be David Downs from Smell the Truth out there at the San Francisco Gate. He's got a new book out, The Medical Marijuana Guidebook. We'll talk about it in our Reformers Reader segment. We're also going to have a representative from Florida's United for Care campaign, the uh, Amendment 2 for medical marijuana. We'll talk about the latest polling in Florida showing over 70% support and how we can help get medical marijuana passed there in the Sunshine State. On Wednesday, another two-guest show. We've got David Boyer from Regulate Maine continuing our marijuana election night preview with a look at Maine's, is it question two in Maine, I think it is, for the legalization of marijuana, recently showing at 53% in the polls. Then David will be followed by another David, David Dinenberg from Kind Financial. He'll be joining us to talk about uh, regulatory software and compliance, seed to sale tracking, and uh, other financial uh, news in the world of marijuana. On Thursday, we have our second edition of our Every Other Thursday segment with Jorge Cervantes, our Cultivator's Corner. We'll have the live phone line open, and you can ask grow questions of one of the most prolific authors on cannabis growing in the world, Jorge Cervantes. That's coming up on Thursday. And then Friday, we'll wrap things up with an interview of the Regulate Massachusetts campaign. Question four in Massachusetts, sitting at 50% in the polls. We'll learn how we can help them out there get marijuana legalization passed. That's all coming up this week on the Russ Belleville Show live on CannabisRadio.com right here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Had a great weekend. I hope you did as well. My Boise State Broncos uh, came into Oregon down to Corvallis and whooped the Oregon State Beavers. On the same day that in Eugene, the Colorado Buffaloes pulled off an upset of the Oregon Ducks. So both the big Oregon universities in the Pac-12 lost their football games this uh, weekend, and Boise State won their third in a row. Boise State is 2-0 and against the Pac-12 now, and one of five college football teams that has yet to be behind in a game. <laughs> so it's been a good weekend for me for the football as well with the victory by the Green Bay Packers over the Detroit Lions. So I'm just on top of the world, football-wise, very, very happy. Let me bring it back to marijuana. We were discussing this Capital Journal piece. And the uh, author here is uh, warning us not to rush into marijuana legalization. Ah, what's the hurry? What's the hurry, you guys? We got medical. We got decrim. Why should we rush to legalize marijuana before we've uh, before we figured out the pot breathalyzer that can never scientifically be validated? Right. Yeah. Let's wait for the pot breathalyzer to be invented. And uh, then we'll wait until we learn how to transmute lead into gold. And then then we'll legalize marijuana. But this line of his where he says, why the hurry to legalize consumption of another poison? We've already got alcohol, which can ruin lives. Tobacco causes cancer. Cannabis, it can mess up the mind. Well, first of all, it's not 
poison because poisons can kill you. Cannabis cannot kill you. Number two, this idea, this uh, trope that we get from the uh, prohibition side, this is, the, uh, this is one that I've called the third legal drug. Why should we have a third legal drug? Why should we add a third legal drug to the menu? As if marijuana does not exist now and millions of Californians are not already consuming it. And the other thing that bothers me, when, when these prohibition types simultaneously want to support medical and demean medical as a way to forestall legalization. His line here was the, uh, uh, for the past 20 years, California has had a wink, wink law that permits use of marijuana for medicinal purposes, phony or not. Okay. So you know why you have this perception that it's a wink, wink law and people are faking it to get their recommendation. It's because they've been consuming cannabis and they don't want tickets or to get arrested. It's because they've been consuming cannabis and they want to have a safe, reliable, secure, well-lit place with a lot of choices to make their purchases rather than some parking lot CVS. So when, when these prohibitionists want to demean California's medical marijuana as being fake, as being phony, and then... Use that to forestall the one solution that would fix the problem is just loony. (laughs) You don't want California to be a fake wink, wink, nudge, nudge medical system. Stop forcing people that to wink, wink and nudge, nudge to avoid arrest for what they're already doing. And And that's one point, I think. That's going to be a really interesting thing. I'm, I'm headed down October 5th next week on Wednesday. I'll be on the statehouse steps in Sacramento, California with attorney Dale Schaefer. He and I will be facing off against stoners against legalization. We are facing off against the California, the, the people like this guy who think that, uh, oh, medical's fine. It's enough. And, 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 and we got decrim. So we really don't need to move any. We don't really need to legalize now. Oh, no, that'd be a bad idea to legalize now. We're going to be debating that on the statehouse steps. And these people, of course, are just another set of people who have a vested financial interest in prohibition continuing in medical marijuana status quo staying the way it is. They like it just fine that it's illegal enough to keep the price at 300 bucks an ounce and twelve, fifteen hundred dollars a pound wholesale. They like that part that it's just illegal enough. That we don't have big capitalized growers to compete with and lots of shops to have to, you know, compete with and, 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 and all of that. We, we like this. We like the, we like the medical because it's just illegal enough. We can keep the price high, but it's just legal enough that none of us ever sweat about getting busted or going to prison. And you got to admit, if you had that deal, you might want to keep that too. Why open up the competition to everyone else when you've already got the market cornered? Why open up greater economies of scale in production and distribution that would lower the wholesale prices when you've got the prices right where you like them? I can understand their motivation. It's just, let's be clear what it is. So we're going to be down there 
debating. And I know that one of the topics is going to be that, well, if we, pra- if we, pass, if we pass Prop 64, it'll be the end of medical marijuana. It happened like it happened in Washington. It'll be the end of medical marijuana. It'll be the end. It'll be over. It'll be no more medical marijuana. It'll be over. And you know what? I can't disagree with them to some extent. Here's why. Marijuana is prohibited. It's contraband substance. If you're caught with it, seen with it, if it's smelled, if there's evidence you've got it, even just a tip, a rumor that you've got it, cops can forcibly put their hands on you and cuff you and arrest you and stuff you and jail you, even kill you in certain circumstances because marijuana is illegal. Medical marijuana, as it's existed in this country, is not legal marijuana. Medical marijuana is an exception to the criminal prosecution and in most cases arrest over breaking the law with marijuana that still exists. Medical marijuana patients, you're not doing something legal. All you California medical marijuana patients buying your bud at the dispensary and smoking it and growing it, you're breaking California law. You know that, right? You are just as much the stoner caught with a bag. You are just as much the grower busted in the field. You are just as much the dealer dealing on the street as anybody who's not sick. As far as the law is concerned, we're all committing the same crime. There is no such thing as medical marijuana as a product. You you can't go to the store shelves and look at one bud and go, oh, now that one's medical marijuana and oh, that one's not medical. It's all the same plant. The plant is fungible. The people who, who smoke it for fun or pleasure are smoking the same thing that the patients are smoking for relief and and medicine. It's the same plant. So this, uh, uh, medical marijuana situation can't not change after legalization happens. Now you can write it. You can like we did in Oregon in our measure 91, three times in measure 91 shall not affect the Oregon medical marijuana act will not change the Oregon medical marijuana act. Prop 64 has got the same thing three times does not affect the compassionate use act. And that's technically true. Passage of these legalization initiatives in these states does not contain, do not contain a single piece of text that alters, amends, or abolishes any section or piece of text within the current medical marijuana laws. Technically speaking, that's true. You write your legalization, nothing in there changes a medical section. But realistically, passage of legalization will change medical marijuana because now what you were getting an exception for doesn't need an exception anymore. We made up medical marijuana because cops could bust people if they caught them with weed. When we legalize marijuana, cops can't bust people when they catch them with weed. So what did you need the exception for? And when that, what that will lead to 
is that in California, once Prop 64 passes and the age limit is 21, the legislature is going to start looking at, well, wait a minute. Now we got all these 18, 19 and 20 year olds who are just lying about a backache, who are just bullshitting about migraines, who are just claiming they have anxiety so that they can thwart and undercut the 21 year old age that we've got in our rec shops. I can bet I can see the legislature trying to come up with more strict requirements on how to get medical marijuana cards if you're under the age of 21. And the other side will paint that as, oh, see, Prop 64 ruined everything. When Prop 64 didn't do that, it was the ending of prohibition that no longer required the medical marijuana exemption that did that. Wow. So much to say, so little time. Time flies when you legalize. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you tomorrow. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you're